Welcome to the Your Riding Success Podcast. My name is Natasha Alkoff and I'm a Grand Prix dressage rider from Australia, author of three books and a leading online trainer of riders all around the world wanting to take their riding to the next level. I'm also a chocoholic, mother of two amazing children and obsessed with helping riders be all they can be. Each week, I'm going to be bringing you stories of inspiration, ideas and strategies of how to make real progress in your riding and give you actionable advice on overcoming riding fear and anxiety so you can take your riding to the next level and be the rider you dream to be. So let's get into today's episode. Welcome to this Your Riding Success episode with Melissa Galloway. Melissa Galloway is a young Grand Prix dressage rider from New Zealand. At the age of 19, Melissa only ever owned a few horses. Fast forward to 2019 and 27-year-old Melissa has competed in her first Grand Prix and international competition, making a huge impression in the worldwide dressage scene. I had an amazing conversation with Melissa, um, dissecting reverse engineering and really going deep into how she rides and how she thinks about preparing for each dressage movement and riding and training dressage horses. I had an amazing time with this conversation. I trust you will too, and I trust you really enjoy the conversation. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me today, Melissa. Super pumped to get to know you a bit better. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, very, very exciting. So you are amazing. 27 years old, competed in your first Grand Prix in international competition. Um, let's, let's go back to the start. Um, why did you get started in horses? Did you want to be a dressage rider when you were three years old? How did it work? (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, well, my mum, she was into, uh, well, she's been into horses her whole life since she was young and, she was into show jumping and hunting um, and she did a little bit of eventing, but she really didn't like the dressage part of it. She said that was the evil part of eventing. I um, ah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny now because that's obviously what I love. But um, mm. yeah, she just had uh, a horse and um, my sister and I, well, and, yeah, well, my sister and I really were the ones that fell in love with the horses, my brother did do pony club but he uh used to give the pony away all the time so everyone else could ride it because he didn't want to Um, but pretty much um I really just begged my mum to let me ride her horse um and just you know let me sit on it and I used to sit outside the kitchen window and and stare at her riding and, and then ask her every time she came in if I could have a ride and and eventually she gave in and let us have a ride and, and bought us a little Shetland pony for our, the three of us to share and sort of just went from there, really. I love it. So were you kind of programmed to also jump? Were you in your mind thinking, get yeah, the, the action is where the fun is? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like all sort of um, kids growing up, I did a bit of everything mm. and I was encouraged mm-hmm. to do everything. Like we did a lot of yes. trekking and hacking and we've got a really Love big it. farm with forestry that we'd go around and did jumping, yes. gymkhanas, showing, really just everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So where, what was the defining moment that changed everything for you and you went, oh, I'm, I'm really into dressage and I, I, I want to do this a bit more? Um, I think there's a few things. I think probably one of the bigger things was that I ended up getting a pony when I was about 13 that was actually a show jumper but had done quite a bit of showing and I was encouraged to try dressage and uh, the two of us sort of just clicked and we ended up being quite successful, um, you know, as a pony combination. And I think, you know, when you start doing well at something, you sort of want to do it more and realize Mm -hmm. that, you you know, you might be quite good at it. And um, that's sort of how that started. But I also uh, loved, I I had my auntie knew that I was into dressage and and into horses and, and she had a friend that had the DVD dancing with bonfire. So she, um, she gave that to me and I used to watch it all the time. Like it was on the tape and um, you know, the VCR and, and yes! watched, yeah, man. And I watched it all the time. And that really was quite a big, um, you know, when I was that young, it was a big influence on me. And I was like, man, and I love dancing. I was into dance. I did ballet mm. Highland and Irish dancing for about um, 10 years and competitively and um, sort of like the perfect mixture, really dancing and yeah. horses. So, yeah. <laughs> so how old were you when you were watching the bonfire v- VHS? Oh, that would probably would be, um, oh gosh, like 10 years old, 10 or 12. 
when I, I was love watching. it. And if I'd asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Were you, would you have said Anki and I'm going to go to the Olympics and I'm going to do a ride to music? Yeah, like I actually at um, my primary school, I think yes. it must have been when I was about 10. I, we had to, you know, write your goals, your dreams on the wall and on these big pieces of paper. And, yes. and everyone still remembers that mine was to ride. Um, well, I think one was to ride in Germany and the other one was to compete at the Olympics in dressage. So I've done one. <laughs> I freaking love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So how did you go with school in the later years? Because if this was inside of you and you had this hunger of I'm going to go to Germany and I'm going to ride at the Olympics, school I can only imagine would have been like the second thought yeah definitely <laughs> yeah and and I was very very uh you know fortunate that my my parents were very supportive from a very young age which is quite surprising yeah. because you know most kids kind of want to do all sorts of things yeah. and parents are just sort of like yeah. oh whatever um but they yeah. really believed that I could do it um from such a young age and they supported me all the way and that my mum would pick me up from school and take me straight to riding lessons. And, um, you know, it was pretty much every, you know, after every school day, I would just come home, ride, muck out and feed the horses. And it was all we sort of did. And I, you know, sometimes I would skip school a bit to do the horses, but yeah, we were always away competing and it was, it was an awesome lifestyle. I love it. Okay. So school ended and then did you run off to Germany? What, what happened? What was the plan? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I actually, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what I, pretty much what I did. I actually left school at sixteen. So I did two weeks of um, year thirteen. I don't know if this is the same in Australia, but the basically yeah. the last year of, of school. And yeah. um, I got a job actually as a like working student for um, Callista Field, who is one of our Olympic previous yeah. Olympic riders yeah yeah so I worked I worked for her for a while up north but I was pretty young um and I got yeah. very homesick and I found it quite yeah. hard so I didn't stay there for super long but it was it was a good to sort of get my um you know realize what actually working at a big stable yeah. was or you know a professional stable was like and how, what I sort of needed to be prepared for um and then I came home and worked on the farm for about a, a year um, and learned handy farming skills like fencing and tractor driving, yeah. digger driving and things. And then yeah. I basically begged my way into um, going to Herberta Serpendix barn in Germany. And I spent a, a year training there, which was amazing. I love it. What what month did you do your first? Yeah, when what month did you leave? Was it winter or summer in Germany? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was summer. I'm trying to think what the exact oh. month was. But it was, yeah, I went into summer. Um, and it well, that's always going to help, isn't it? Like, yeah, I feel it, it, it would be such a culture shock to be like, oh, where am I? I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so you had everything else of the I'm not in Kansas. Like, what was that moment like? Um, you obviously were very good at riding and, and had already worked with um, a previous Olympian in New Zealand. But what was that those first couple of weeks in Germany like for you? Um, I think for me, I was just, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I was like in horse heaven. Um, and I, I was only meant to be there for two weeks, um, as, oh, wow. you know, as a groom and I sort of begged, yeah. begged and begged to get there. And I think to be honest, Herbertus was our New Zealand national trainer and I had, a, had some lessons with him in New Zealand and they went very, very bad. And I don't think he was particularly impressed at oh, all. Wow. Yeah. I love it. This is such a good story. <laughs> They went really yeah. hard. Awesome. I, it was. I remember it was in an indoor arena and my horse kicked the wall and the shoe went flying and it was just like, oh, what a disaster. Um, oh, wow. But we, we just kept asking, asking. I was like, I said, like, I'd do anything. I don't care if I pick up poo the whole time. I just want to go yeah. over and see what it's like. And so eventually, and it did take a while. I think it was like a year later before he actually said, oh, okay, well, you can come. Um, and you so wore him down. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And um and then pretty much the first, yeah, the first week I was just picking up poo and grooming horses and, you know, the yeah. usual things and eventually he he sort of obviously felt sorry for me and let me ride one of his horses and and I thought, Oh my gosh, like this is the coolest thing ever and turns out it was like this like twenty year old thing like that no one really rode because it was so old and, and <laughs> run down. But yeah, I yeah, it, was it was the amazing. worst horse, but you're like, Yay! Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was getting a little excited, taking it up. And, and I think the other workers were like, oh, my goodness, this is weird. 
yeah. but um, I I sat up so straight and I rode and I did some flying changes and I, I didn't even really know how to ride them to be honest at that point and yeah. and I just did exactly what he said and I think he was kind of a little bit impressed of how hard I was trying um yeah and so he let me ride some other ones and he actually let me ride a particularly a difficult young Johnson horse that I, all the other girls were having quite problems with um yeah and somehow I don't know how but I just bonded with this horse and we were I, I was able to ride him like quite surprisingly well and I think it took Hubertus by surprise and um he realized I had quite amazing natural feel I didn't know a lot but I did have this feeling and um sort of went from there he asked me to stay and I stayed <laughs> yay I love it what a great story all right so you're staying and you're riding this really challenging horse was he oh so challenging for you you just in, like didn't get fussed by it or did he turn into a lamb for you yeah I think I just I he I never found him particularly difficult I'm not sure yeah um why to be honest but I just really yeah. bonded with him and I really fell in love with him um and I mean he was like the most beautiful horse I'd ever sat on um and I just thought it was amazing and, and I ended up riding um like six horses a day and competing three or four horses and it was just it turned into such an amazing experience yeah so what level were you competing before you went to Germany um, before I went, I trained my, my first horse I had to level four and we just yep. started thinking about the flying changes, but I hadn't really done too much. I love it. Okay. And did you sell that horse or was he just going to stay at home for a year or did you bring him with you to Germany? No, we ended up, I came back because I had to sort out my visa for a little bit. And when yeah. I came back, I rode him and I was like, oh dear, <laughs> I've not done such a good job. So we decided to sell him and then I stayed in Germany for longer. <laughs> okay. So what was that like? Like a one horse competing a little bit um, up to fourth level of suddenly competing, uh, you said riding six, competing three or four. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you were just being a sponge. You were, how old were you at the time? Yes, I was. Um, I was 18, 17, 18. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I was totally a sponge. I had this diary and I wrote, I've still got oh. it, this, this book that I wrote everything that I learned from every horse I rode every day. And I just was like, so wanting to just take it all in and um, I just loved it. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So, um, what was the biggest things that you learned? Obviously there was, there was a whole diary full of the things you learned <laughs> yeah. in Germany, but if you were to zoom up higher and just talk about big umbrella ideas that were really the, the cornerstones of what you brought back to New Zealand with, what would those things be? I think the biggest one for me was the um, the basic paces of the horse, like being able to improve just the basic walk, trot, canter. That was what we spent pretty much all our time doing and mm. learning was just to get a horse like correct through straight and, and then improve the gates. And then, you know, after you could do that, well, then you can start doing some of the movements. But it wasn't until each horse was able to do that well that you could move forward. And, of course, the whole inside leg, outside rain was very much embedded. <laughs> yeah. So um, you said that Herberta said that you had like quite a good natural feel. So did you have quite a good natural feel on getting that throughness, straightness, um, feeling a lot quicker than maybe some others? <clears throat> yes, I think definitely I did. I mean, I didn't really know that I could. Yeah. Um, but I, I love I it. You just had no idea. You were just like, Wee! yeah. I love it. No, I I was just trying my hardest <laughs> pretty mm. much and and then I yeah, very quickly realized that actually I was training these horses and teaching them to do things so much faster than everyone else and um and that I just seemed to I don't know, click with the horses. It was really quite strange. <laughs> I love it. So you you've mentioned, you know, I loved this horse and I just thought he was the most amazing horse. How important do you think it is it this bond with this horse because obviously you're creating bonds and you you love these horses but I'm sure there were some horses that you didn't love as much when you're riding six horses a day so do you think it's important to unlock the true potential of a horse that you um that you do have this amazing bond or is it just a belief or is it just a exploration of what the horse can give yeah I think I mean I think it is important to have a bond and I think 
every horse, you know, I find anyway, every horse you can find something that you really like about them or that does connect you with them. Um, And I think once you find that, then you do have a real belief and connection with them. And I do think that's really important. And, and, you know, like how some people in Europe, you know, all they do is hop on the horse, hop off the horse and everyone else does the rest. I, I still think it's really important that, you know, you actually spend time with your horses and get to know them and their quirks and, you know, actually form a real bond with them. I think that just helps take the, the relationship to the next level. I love it. I love it. And would you say it's vital? Like if we were going to make a chocolate cake, would you think um, <laughs> this is like flour or do you think it's like sprinkles on top? Like take it or leave it. Sure, it makes the cake a bit better, but the cake's still great without it. No, I think it is vital. I think you do really need it. I, and I have been told that before, especially about me and um, my top horse, Joey, you know, people say that they can really tell that we have like something extra special because we've been together so long and, you know, we know each other and I've grown, I've, you know, I've done everything for him forever. So it's, I think people definitely can see the difference. That's amazing. And do you, so how many horses do you ride now? Uh, six at the moment. And do you have a groom now? No, so I, I used to. Um, my sister actually groomed for me, and we sort of had planned um, that I would be riding, you know, six to eight horses. And for some reason, it just never worked out, and they didn't actually end up having that many. So we sort of were like, okay, I don't really need a groom. Um, and then now that I don't have a groom, I'm back up to six horses with more on the way. So it's one of those things. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But even if you did have a groom, um, you're saying you would still find the time to groom at least one horse once a day to keep that connection. Oh gosh. Yes, definitely. I mean, even though I had a groom, it was more like we worked together. It wasn't like Mm. I was just a rider and she was just a, you know, a groom. Um, I definitely still was very much a part of all the daily runnings of everything. And and the horses and yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. This is super fascinating. So I'm, I've, I have a, a, an idea and I just want to explore it if you don't mind. You're talking about this bond and you're talking about this, um, this feeling that you get from this horse. Um, how do you, when you sit in the saddle and you ask the horse to walk, what is what is literally running through your mind as you ask the horse to walk? And let's say it's a new horse. So you don't really have, um, uh, you've got nothing in your mind because, okay, maybe you've seen the horse being ridden, maybe you don't. But what is your, every rider has a criteria or some, some kind of checklist or some kind of um, reference point that they're, they're going through. What, what goes through your mind? Oh gosh, I sort of don't know if I think a lot. I, I yeah, like no, that's I that's a but that, that's a perfect answer though. So like, if you say I don't like, is it is it black? Is it empty? Is there literally no thinking going on? I don't. I think all I do is I would say I hop on, and then if I want a horse to walk, I just put a little bit of pressure on my leg, and and that's all I think. <laughs> I don't think I think yeah. too much about it. Yeah, that's great. And then as you're riding along and you know how you said one of the biggest cornerstones from Germany was, okay, well, I've got, so say that again, like, do you have a criteria of, okay, I get on a horse and I have to check, like, like, how do you go? I, yes, I have throughness or no, I don't have throughness or all those kinds of things. Okay. I know I I'm getting been... complicated. Yeah. But yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I think, um, well, like I, I would probably you know, obviously take out my rein and I th- you're checking, I suppose, like the reactions to everything. I think that's one of the first things is like, if you put a bit of pressure on your leg, does the horse go forward and how does it respond? Is it quickly? Is it slowly? Um, or is it worried? And then you put a little bit of pressure on the rein to ask it to come round or to bend or whatever. And I'm sort of thinking, how is it reacting to that? And um, and the same with your seat. And that would probably be the first thing that I am thinking about is, whether that's good or not. And if it's not feeling good or the reaction that I want, then I would be trying to um, make, you know, train the horse to, to get the feeling that I, that I feel is the right one, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And as you're getting feedback, so let's say you're checking what's the reaction to the rain like, what's the reaction to the seat like, what's the reaction to the leg like, and you're getting feedback back, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, do you have an opinion or an emotion 
around any feedback that you get? Or is that what makes you so great that there is, you are literally a computer taking feedback in and therefore dictating a new response based on the feedback that you've got? Um, I probably would say a little bit like that. I don't really, I definitely don't um, think too much about it or feel, you know, emotionally um, any different. Mm. I think I just, just try and respond whatever way I feel is is the best way to respond or to, to make, um, to sort of, to make everything back to what I think is the right feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And I love it that, yes. So, um, it's like, um, when you're holding a glass of water, um, how much pressure should you put on the glass to keep the glass held like because you obviously you don't want to drop it and you don't want to squeeze it too much otherwise it'll smash into your hand um and it's not really a thought process of oh I should grip it more like it's just a feeling reaction feeling reaction that goes on unconsciously without us having to go grip it tighter uh is that too tight maybe I should grip it more maybe I should grip it left less um and I know that's the goal of writing to have it as an unconscious conversation of feeling reaction feeling reaction without our uh um like opinion getting in the way of that transaction yes that's absolutely a great way to explain it yes (laughs) great so what all us mere mortals would love to know um, is surely I I I get that you have this amazing feel and that that you 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 were very good at having that beautiful and I think it was partly your age and what you were exposed to it it's just you you had no no opinions and no um you know, rules of how it had to be. So you were just this beautiful sponge creating this beautiful world. But was there things, was there anything in your writing that you just really struggled with? Maybe it was the tempi changes or a PR for that can of zigzag that would have required your actual brain to get involved? Um, I think the PR was probably the very last thing I ever learned how to do. And that has taken um, I would say probably the longest of everything for me to understand, probably to understand how it should feel, really. I think the, I was always a little bit confused about how that should feel, like whether you should be able, like everyone used to say to me, you shouldn't feel anything, but then I would be like, you know, confused about not being able to feel anything and thinking I needed to feel mm-hmm. something. Um, and yeah, I think that would, I would say that from like, from a technical sort of movement point of view was the hardest thing for me to learn and but from sort of a physical point of view I used to have um a real problem when I was uh even when I was in Germany and beforehand of my legs my lower leg flapping um Mm -hmm. and I was always told like I had a really good seat in my upper body everything else was fine my hands were really good but my lower leg would just flap 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 in all my sitting trod and it did for such a long time um and it wasn't really until I went to Germany and um basically they just I think it was more that I learned how to ride a horse in front of my leg. And again, I think it was just, I learned a better feeling and then I was able to correct that. <laughs> Today's episode of the Your Running Success podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Start streaming the Equestrian Netflix and enjoy streaming unlimited entertainment anywhere, anytime. For videos about fear, competition, dressage, barn secrets, anything you would need to know about owning a horse, riding a horse in any discipline, you can enjoy it all in one place. So start your $1.30 day trial with no ads, no upcharges and cancel anytime. Visit yourridingsuccess.com backslash xflix or click the link in the show notes. Mm. I love it. So is there ever been a time from, from listening to you, it seems whenever you've had to learn something, um, as long as you can translate it, and, and that's obviously where Germany played a big part. So do you think you couldn't learn something until you sat on a horse that could give you the feeling, like this is what Tempe Changes feels like, or this is what Passage yeah. feels like, and then you go, I'm good. As long as I've got that map in my head, I can now go create that. Is that true? Yes, I would say that's very accurate. Like even recently um, with my top horse, my, my struggle has been, the canter pirouettes in the Piaf and I, I feel like it, it doesn't matter what anyone said to me I just until I got that perfect feeling and I could really remember what exactly it felt like um like now I feel like I have that and, I, and I'm away and I don't seem to make any touch wood mistakes with those anymore but for a long time I just never 
felt like I had quite got the right feeling for it. And, and now I do. And I feel like, okay, I'm good now. I know what it's meant to feel like. And I'm, 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 I'm away. <laughs> I love it. You're amazing. I've never met someone so different to me. It's, it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> you are my, like my opposite twin. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's gorgeous. It's fabulous. So, um, for those of you that are listening and, and, and it, it's just, there's, there's different types of learning styles and different types of personalities. Um, and you are just so kinesthetic that's, uh, and, and I'm just looking at the results that you have in your writing and I'm, I'm so jealous. I'm just like, I need to develop this part of me because I think it is such a huge factor in your success because I'm assuming you don't really ever have mental conversations and like, oh, step one, I should do this. And step two, I should do this. And step three, I need to do this. It's literally all just bubbling under the surface. And like you said, if you don't have the feeling, that's complicated for you because then you don't know what you're trying to create. But the minute you have what it needs to feel like, you just go searching for that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds about right, to be honest. Yeah. 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 And, um, so the, the other personality style that I am is auditory digital and that's actually a shutdown kinesthetic. We're actually a bit damaged. We, we thought the world was too dangerous to feel. So we shut all our feelings down and just decided to process our world logically, um, with, you know, with steps and processes and systems. Um, and that's how we go through life. Uh, and as you can imagine, writing is not always a process or a system and every horse is not the same so it it really does limit us and we have to develop that kinesthetic part of us I think to become world-class wow yeah that's so interesting I love it (laughs) so I'm loving it so I I want to I want to know how you translate a feeling. So you're riding a horse and you're like, okay, um, I've got the feeling. I, I now know what a tempi change feels like, or now, now I know what passage feels like. Yeah. When you get back on the horse that you want to now do that, that thing on, do you have, uh, like a video of the horse? No, cause it's a feeling. So obviously you get on your horse and it's not giving you the feeling that you've memorized that you want to have. Is that correct? Yeah. Like, do you, do you get a sense of this doesn't feel, so I'm guessing you, your brain would say this doesn't feel the same or this doesn't feel right. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. So then what happens? Um, well then, <laughs> then I guess I just, um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just start to, use my body in a way that that does until I can create the right feeling and then I once I get that feeling I go okay well that worked so that was what I needed to do to get the feeling um Mm. if that makes sense (laughs) yeah no I, I I love it and all all unconsciously correct you're not actually going oh I'm going to I'm going to move my inside rein and see if that gets me the feeling I mean, I guess I do a little bit think about, I mean, I, obviously I do think about what I'm doing, but I, I do do it probably a lot of what I do, I think is subconscious, but I definitely go like, okay, okay, I'm going from trot to passage. So now I need to engage my core a little bit more and half halt a little bit with my rein, sit the slightly deeper um, and, you know, go for a shorter trot and a higher trot sort of thing. Um, so I do think about that, but I don't, in a sense, I don't think about it too much. I just, now I know, I know exactly what I need to do with my body. And I just think, okay, go into passage. And then my body does what it needs to do. I, think. I am so in love with you. I love, I like you <laughs> going, you know, and then my body just knows what it needs to do. Like, well, my body is like, yo, yo, up there. Who's in charge? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it's over time it's learnt, you know, like there's the newer things I do have to say, okay, like even with my pirouettes, I was just at nationals this weekend and I was saying to myself, like, okay, make sure I stay sitting back, don't get forward out of the saddle. And you know, I was saying little reminders yeah. of the things that I still find a little new or a little hard, but the things that I find easy, which um, you know, other things, I don't think about it too much. My body will just do it, thankfully. So I think it's just like time and muscle memory and then it all just sort of comes together. Mm, absolutely absolutely okay so we change it with the with the body and yes you do have your brain so when you're doing a test um do you obviously have a voice telling you 
X, halt, C, turn left. Um, and you have a, another voice that also, so you've got the, the GPS voice that tells you where you should be going. And you also have a voice that says, okay, well, you're going to turn left. So remember in the corner, you're going to have to half hold. You want to sweep the quarters through the corner. You want to make sure you, you know, do you have that voice as well? Yes. Yeah. No, I definitely do. I, I think I do sort of um, in my head ex- tell myself exactly what I should be doing and how I should be doing it. I mean, there's the odd thing that I probably don't think too much about and I'll just do it naturally. But I try, especially like I said, with the dif- more difficult things, I try to say, okay, now remember, <laughs> don't do this or do that. And, and I definitely do have that in a voice. Yeah. Yes. And then there would be the voice. It's just not very consciously aware of it, but it would be running somewhere in it as an undercurrent, which is, Oh, I feel I've lost the shoulder. So I got to get that feeling back and I got to get that, that, that feeling of the shoulder up more. And I've got to get the feeling of the hind leg. Is that running unconsciously, but that is happening. There is a conversation It's not conscious, but a conversation of I'm feeling, therefore I'm going to feel with my body. I'm going to do that to get a different feeling or a better feeling or the feeling that I need to get to, to, for this test movement to go how I want it to go. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think probably the only difference I would say versus like competing versus when you're training is that in a test, I tried not to overcorrect things either. If I think like, yes. oh no, this is not going well. I try to just do it as subtle and as you know easy as possible so that I don't end up going in the other direction or, you know, totally screwing up the movement. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, what I think, I think I know the answer to this. I think the answer is no, but I just want to triple check. <laughs> is there any Melissa thinking so we've talked about the different voices is there a voice that is melissa going oh this test is going well oh i'm i'm, I'm oh here comes the changes i hope i get them oh oh here's this bit god i think i'm doing re- really well i i think i might win oh god this test is going awful i think i'm gonna lose maybe i should give up riding oh well um i wonder <laughs> what i'm eating for dinner oh i really feel like bacon and eggs right now is there <laughs> any of that that's ever been there and like i said i think the answer is no but i'd love to know well, I have to say that I would say mostly no, but occasionally I would say, um, and I, I actually try and tell myself not to do that, which is interesting. Mm. But um, mm. sometimes I will find like, especially early on in a test, if something goes wrong, I will start to be like a little bit like, oh no, oh no, I'm ruining it. Like I need to, you know, I can't do anything else wrong now. And, and I have to tell myself, actually stop thinking about that and just focus on your test. <laughs> But I think yeah. I've got better at that over the years. I think I used to get a lot more worried if I did something wrong um, and then it would affect the rest of my test, whereas now I can kind of just brush it off and just focus on the next thing. It's a little yes, bit. Well, a little bit say, if, if you ever do have those thoughts, I'm assuming then the ride does not go well. Yeah, that's right. I think that's been a huge, um, a big learning thing for me has been controlling, one, my nerves, and two, like you say, those sort of thoughts, because then if I think like that, I start to get nervous. And then I've really found that my nerves are a huge factor in whether my tests go well or not, especially with my um, oh. my top horse, because I don't know why, for some reason, he really feels everything that I, you know, in my body, which is great because it makes us very harmonious most of the time. But sometimes if I get, I feel myself get like butterflies in my stomach because I'm coming up to a movement that I know I'm a little bit, not always, you know, I don't always get it. And, um, and then if I start to get those butterflies, I, I usually always screw it up. So I have to, I've tried, I have to train myself to, to not get nervous, stay relaxed. And it's really a mental battle, isn't it? <laughs> but that would make perfect sense because you are, you like every time you, like you don't ride with your head, you don't ride with that part of your brain. You ride, you ride with feeling, you ride reacting to feeling, you ride in your heart space. And that's yeah. what makes you so great. And if you ever flip into the head bit, you wouldn't even know what you're doing, I would assume, because that's not, that's not how you ride. It would be completely foreign to you to ride with logic or to ride with shoulder has dropped, therefore move hand two centimetres across the neck and um, lift your chin <laughs> three mils and put your shoulders back seven degrees. Your, your brain can't do that. 
Um, so you're amazing. I really, 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 <laughs> and it's so fascinating to then hear that you, you know, um, you've got this horse that is also so, so, so sensitive to you. And um, that's what can create these amazing results when you are both coming and reacting to each other from that feeling space um, as opposed to when you jump out of that and then put, you know, the opinion on it, um, whether it's, you know, I'm nervous or I'm worried or I hope I do this well or I hope I don't fuck this up, um, that then um, yet creates all all the pain. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Like I think, and I've only probably really learnt how crucial that is probably in the last season or two, um, you know, with the Grand Prix work that how much, um, Mm. if I get nervous or something, it just really affects my horse so much more than I thought it did. (laughs) Well, when we get off the line, I can create an anchor for you. It's like a button and you can just press it and it'll get you back into that heart space. And then you, you oh, cool. Cool. So that's awesome. Very, very extraordinary. So let's, let's just go, um, forward to where you are now, because I, I, I kind of really wanted to get into Germany and this feeling stuff, but let's tell everybody what results you have now, um, because of how you ride. So my understanding is that you have, um, some horses in New Zealand that are also quite tricky or were quite tricky. Yes. Um, yeah. So Yes, um, I have two now Grand Prix horses, but they were a four-year-old and a two-year-old when I first got them, both by Johnson. Um, And the older one was the particularly tricky one, and he was really good at bucking you off, and he bucked off three different breakers, and he bucked off his the rider that owned him, and then he bucked me off many, many times. (laughs) Um, But luckily now he is a lot a lot a lot lot better and he hasn't done that for um I don't know five or six years so he's not like that anymore but he he was originally very very tricky and very very hot and very sensitive (laughs) I love it I love it so um and again not having an opinion I'm assuming you you got bucked off and you got back in and you went well that wasn't a good feeling I want to make this feeling better and you got bucked off and you went no that's not the feeling I want tried to make the feeling better was there ever a voice, you know, I work with a lot of nervous riders or people that are scared um, to, you know, exactly that, get backed off. Um, did you ever have issues with fear or your actual brain kick in going, this is dangerous, you should you should be worried, you should be scared, you should be defensive when you get on um, and that took you out of that feeling space? To be honest, no. Like, I, I, I don't know why, but I just was not concerned at all. I just, well, I was, yeah. I was honestly, I wanted to be actually, I was, I'm so competitive, um, but I wanted to be the first person that had, well, the only person that had never fallen off him. And so when I first fell off him, I was so annoyed and I was like, oh, I can't believe I've fallen off. And then, of course I fell off many more times after that, but I was more annoyed about that than anything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I, I have to, I'm so curious. Do you go through all your life in, in your feeling? Like, is there things in your life where you go, no, no, no. Like, how are you with like financial budgets? Like, does that word, do you, do you go, Oh, I don't like that word. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And what else is quite logical and quite, um, I can't even think. Like, so even cooking, do you like to follow the recipe or do you just go, oh, you have a look and you realize that, let's say a chocolate cake, oh, okay, it's got flour and sugar. And then do you like to just ad lib how much things should go in? Um, well, if I'm being totally honest, I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> and I, don't, <laughs> I don't do a lot of this because I'm so bad. <laughs> um, I love it. But, I don't know. I think I don't. I think I. To be honest, I think I need a, uh, instructions because I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, it's just so fascinating because most <laughs> people, like when they get bucked off, that that does get them into you know that other part of their brain, and I just love it. You so you should just be so in love with you. You should just hug yourself <laughs> every day. And go, I'm freaking extraordinary. Oh no, 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 it's no, gosh, no. really great results, except for like the budgeting and the, the logical, um, yeah, uh, I no, I'm going to buy a house. There. Let's, let's make a 
plan for that um, kind of thing. Yeah. But everything else. Yeah. And for what you've chosen to do, it's, it's you know, you couldn't have picked a better sport. So um, <laughs> let's talk about you're getting backed off, you get back on, you get backed off, you get back, uh, you get back on. How did you break through? Um, like if people are struggling with their horse, they're not going to give up, but they are really struggling. What was the difference that made the difference for you and him? Just age and training? Yeah. I mean, I think it was just time and perseverance. I think he, mm-hmm. he was very strong-minded. I think he soon learned that I was too, and that I wasn't going to um, let him win all the time. And I was very determined not to. And I think it was just over time, but we had many, many, many battles and many arguments Um especially in the early days and not necessarily always that he bucked me off. It was often, you know, other things that he'd argue about, like he took a really long time to want to go through and, and swing and move over his back. And he would just argue about everything. And it wasn't really until he was about level four that I feel like we just had this breakthrough. And I think we were actually at a competition and, and I really, he was playing up a little bit and I just really was like, okay, this is enough. You need to, get on with it and and after that he just kind of did and and we never really had major issues from then on I love it and so you now compete in Grand Prix what is your um your best competition that you've done with him like your favorite favorite win um well I mean I think some a huge one for us was actually uh, a couple of years ago I just did my first ever Grand Prix on him and it was the under 25 Grand Prix, um, you know, the Young Rider Championships, and we won that. And, and that was huge for me. That was, like, one of the first really big things I'd won. And, like, a Grand Prix, to me, that was, you know, it was massive. And on this horse that I had such problems with, it was really, really significant. And for the breeder, because the breeder knew exactly how difficult he was. Like, they couldn't sell him, but, you know, it was such a, a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, and then more recently, um, like, the Nationals, just being this weekend, he actually... Yeah. Uh, was second to my good horse in the Grand Prix class and it was a massive Grand Prix class of like 14 riders and he got 69 point I think something uh, five or something and um, it was the best score he's ever gotten a Grand Prix so I was so stoked with him. That's amazing and let, let's just go back to that for a second. You came first and second in the Grand Prix Nationals. <laughs> well I came first and second <laughs> in, in that class but overall I just won on Joey. <laughs> So what was the score on the other horse, which was not easy either? He he wasn't uh, easy either, was he? No, he wasn't easy either, but he was a lot easier than that one. <laughs> um, he, he was more difficult because he was very spooky, and he still right. is um, very spooky and doesn't like anything um, that flaps or moves or anything. He hates other horses. He's terrible in the warm-up. I have to really watch everybody. Like My eyes are just on everybody in the warm-up anything coming behind him or coming towards him or even too close on the side he freaks out so I have to be very careful um with that but what is your warm-up with is it is it a smaller warm-up is it literally just getting warm and yeah yeah, it's not a lot considerations when you're doing that if you're like well if something does go horribly wrong in the warm-up and someone and you you can't because you can't control everyone around you someone does run into him or there is something that could very upset him in the warm-up would that upset the test or could you get him back um well that has definitely happened several times <laughs> um where he's been someone's come too close and he will just literally sort of rear up and spin the other way because he's terrified um yeah. and it definitely affects the warm-up and it's a little bit frustrating because I'm trying to just stay calm and go yes. on and carry on and do my next movement um but so far a touch wood it hasn't affected my test too much because I can kind of just I, I yeah. know now, especially like if I see someone coming, I just stop or turn the other direction. I, I yeah. very quickly get out of the way because I know exactly how sensitive he is to that. Yeah. But I seem to have it, um, you know, manageable now. And I'm just so, yeah. so, so aware of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what score did you get with him in the Grand Prix? Just for everyone playing at home. <laughs> um, we actually got 72.7, which is a personal best for us. So it was very exciting. <laughs> congratulations that's so amazing (laughs) well done so exciting so let's talk about 2021 does New Zealand have uh one spot to send to the games you don't you don't have a team do you no we don't have a team we do have one spot but it's very very tricky at the moment I mean I'm dying absolutely dying to go um but it's the it's the qualifying obviously we've got no FBI shows 
and yes. I don't know when Australia is going to have them, but I mean, I will be yeah. over there as soon as I can. If they, you know, start having um, CDIs, I will just be on that next plane. <laughs> mm. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I'm super pumped. Super, super. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know, yes, what's Australia doing and what's the, what's, what's, what's the qualifying. And, I mean, I guess we're looking at the world going, how quick is that vaccine happening? Is it even 2021 going to go ahead in at all in with the games with with everything yeah so much uncertainty but i'm liking where you're placed i'm very excited (laughs) oh thank you i am too brilliant 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 and i think okay so i think everyone listening here is i mean i know for me i'm listening here going the feeling is 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 that next level tash you've got to figure out how to um react to the feeling without thinking about it so is there anything that you can think about? Like if we talk about something very specific, so should we talk about um, something quite easy like um, a leg yield? Yeah. Okay. So if you are <laughs> wanting to leg yield off your right leg, this is me, I'm getting a bit confused with my rights and legs. You want to leg yield <laughs> off your right leg and you want to go left. You with me? Yeah. 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 How... Do you do that? So just talk me through. I'm assuming you're going to say, like, put my right leg on. Would that be, like, (laughs) just tell me, step me through this. Yes. So I think, I mean, the first thing I would go up the center line and I would try and keep my horse relatively straight. Um, How do you do that? (laughs) um, Keep both legs with the same pressure. Not necessarily, to be honest, I don't really ride with a lot of leg most of the time. So I, but just making sure I don't put, you know, one leg on more than the other would be going straight. Yeah. Um, and same with the rein and my body, everything staying straight. Um, and then I would just keep my right leg forward, um, not too far. Oh, yeah, some people like to put their leg really far back for the leg yard. I try and not put it too far back because I don't want to obviously have the quarters leading. It's more the shoulders a little bit slightly. Um, yeah. And yeah. my outside leg is just sort of relaxed and not on. Um, and the reins really are just, keep, I mean, the, the, the weights just sort of shift a little bit into your outside rein and I have a slight, very slight flexion to the inside, but no, no really neck bend. I think that's, <laughs> but otherwise it's yeah, not yeah. really too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. You did an amazing job. Look at you ADing that. 10 out of 10. You did great. Okay. Now here's, here's where the tricky bit comes. You're in your leg yield. <laughs> Horse, you start to feel, this is me using your language, my kinesthetic language, yeah. you start to feel that there is more weight on the left shoulder. So the horse is kind of falling to the left and yeah. you feel that. What do you do then? Um, so then I think I would straighten the horse a little bit with my outside rein, so then my left rein, because um, usually I think if the horse's shoulders are falling out to the left, you know, you've got too much bend off into the right. So I would straighten mm-hmm. the horse's neck with the outside rein. Um, and I sort of would think in my mind to sort of slow the front end down, like slow the shoulder down, because often if they're leading, it's like the, sh- the shoulders are taking off to the left. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's how I'd be thinking. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. I think that's... So how do you feel? You are just making it sound so simple. I love it. So same thing. (laughs) If you're sitting on your horse and you're feeling that it's going too fast, you're like, whoa, this is just really fast. You then, um, so yeah, that's my problem. So what do you do with that one? (laughs) If you're feeling the horse is, is going fast, running away a little bit with you, going, going, going too much, what, what do you do? Um, so if I was like, say it was a young horse and I was rising to the trot or say it was a trot, I would try really to slow my rising down, um, and obviously try and do half halts with my, with my reins, um, and try and stay quite relaxed. I think sometimes when the horse is going fast, if you get tense or tight, the horse goes faster and faster. So trying to stay relaxed and quite heavy with my seat. Um, and if I was sitting, you know, pretty much the same, like try and I'd, tighten engage my core muscles and sit deeper and heavier with my seat to sort of um you know not block the horse but stop you know the horse from going so forward and 
again the half halts with the reins is what I would be doing I think <laughs> I love it and look for everyone listening you'll notice the first thing she said was seat whereas I think nine out of ten riders are like reins I, I yeah. pull on the reins <laughs> and I'm being yeah. quite like pull on the reins I'm being quite blunt of course that's not it but you know that we tend yeah. to be yeah, and yours is always coming back. So then I've got a question for you. If you could ride your horse and I took one thing away from you, either your legs, your hands, or your seat, which one is like, which one do you go, I can't live without? Obviously, it's nice to have all three, kind of, kind of, all useful to yeah. have all three. <laughs> um, I think I definitely couldn't live without my seat. Um, that's massive. and And just my body, like, I guess it is your seat, yeah. but it's like your, your seat, your core. Yeah, your that whole, body. Yeah. yeah, that whole area, I think, for me is where I use a lot of, um, yeah, I, I that's where I give a lot of aids from, I think, is just like my body weight and my, yeah, my, my seat, my core. <laughs> yeah, and you can see it. Like when I talk about the leg yield, I talk about anything, you go, you go, okay, well, first with my body, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so gold so I think you've like given such a gift to everyone listening and such a secret away it's not a secret that's the best thing about writing all the secrets are already uncovered there's no secrets <laughs> yes. um that are new we've all heard the seat is important we've all heard to ride with your seat um uh and I think what why people don't tend to do that is they they're not in their feeling they're not feeling I feel you must be very sensitive to the nuances and the tiny reactions so again thinking about yeah. like pull reins or kick it's very I think of a Neanderthal with a rock in his hand like it's very blunt and it's very coarse and it's very um primitive and the top 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 parts of dressage is realizing hey you don't need a rock to do seven different things there's actually an entire um tool shop with like a specific nail and a specific screwdriver and a specific hammer for whatever particular job that you want to do um and that can get you your very specific nuanced result rather than just chucking a rock at everything that you <laughs> want to do if that does yes. that make sense it does and it's absolutely right that's 100 percent right like it's everything becomes so finely tuned and you barely have to do you know all your aids are just so small and so yeah so light it's yeah I totally agree and that's why you have to ride with just your feeling because otherwise you do get too blunt about it and you can't feel those tiny adjustments that you need to make yeah absolutely right so um are there any sponsors that we need to mention that support you and help you get these amazing scores and these amazing goals yes I do have them um so I have Dunstan horse feeds and Synchroflex HA, Moore's Riding Wear, the Equine Cobbler, Saddles for You, which is Harry Dabbs Saddles, um, Watson Equine Photography, and Big Red Stable Snacks. I love it. Do your horses love the stable snacks? That they do. Nice. They love, <laughs> love them. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, and what about, we talked about 2021. If that doesn't go ahead for whatever reason due to the world or whatever, you know, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty with the selection and with everything there. Do you also have plans for 2024? Will your horses be young enough? Have you got other ones that you've got pigeonholed for that? Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the next thing would be if we could go to the World Games in 2022 would be oh, yeah. my next goal. Um, yes. and then, yeah, all going well, I would still definitely be aiming for 2024 Paris. Um, and I do have another horse, I have a six year old by Negro who we actually bred and I think he is really, really special as well. Um, and I mean, maybe he would be ready by then too. So who knows? We'll wait and see. I love it. So can I just, um, break down my chocolate cake analogy again? If, <laughs> if, if I was to say, tell me the steps to get to the Olympics, and I know you haven't gone to an Olympics yet, but would it be something along the line of, one, find a horse that you love, that you believe in, that you just look at it and you go, oh, my God, I love you and you're amazing, and 
ride it and groom it and play with it every day. Well, not every day, but, you know, very often. Would that be definitely a very important thing? Yes, I think definitely. I think you really need to love and, like you say, believe in the horse that you think is going to make it. And I think um, definitely spend time with your horse and and create a bond and get to know your horse inside and out because if you're going to do all this travel and Mm. you know so many adventures you're going to end up going on I think you really need to know everything there is to know about your horse and you know I mean I'd notice um you know just stupid little things like their behavior or they're putting one leg in a slightly different position or you know eating funny or you just notice so many different quirks if you know your horse well enough that you can pick up on anything if it's not quite right or normal yeah huge okay so then once we've done that step two know the feeling that you're looking to create and keep making the horse whatever the the feeling that the horse is giving you keep going back to how it's meant to feel like and go okay well I got to make this tiny adjustment without thinking about it just keep doing it without thinking (laughs) okay this feeling isn't quite I'm going to change the feeling. This feeling isn't quite right. I'm going to change the feeling to make it how I want it to feel. But again, doing all of that without actually thinking. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I'm sure there is some thinking going on, but I I think if you can get it to the point where you don't have to think about it it becomes, you know, just a habit, then I think that's, that's really good too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Is that it? Two steps? Well, no, I, I think there's more. Like, I mean, for me, I, I'm thinking like I, I, you know, how you sort of, if you've got a goal, you've got to start from the top and then work your way back. I, that's yeah. more probably how I'm thinking. Like, you know, what do you need to score yeah. to qualify, and you know, yeah. what shows do you need to go to, and then like, you know, you need to be at Grand Prix, and then before that, you need to be at Prince George. You know, so you sort of, you, I go through those things, and then that's how I'm sort of working my way there hopefully it's very ad of you as well good on you <laughs> to make that plan and be like okay this date i need to be at this place which means this selection event which means this competition which means this level i love it yeah i'm not normally like that so that is yeah unusual <laughs> <laughs> i love it and do you think you will ever do you ever feel the need to go back to germany like who do you train with now are you doing virtual lessons or are you literally just doing it by feel look at that no I mean I have I do still train with um my coaches in New Zealand and I overcoat like with all the um, lockdown and things I've been doing zoom lessons with um Vanessa who lives in Taranaki which is up in the North Island and that has been good but I I do actually I mean I think compared to a lot of people I'd have to say I don't actually have a lot of coaching and because I do live in quite a remote um, you know, I don't, um, in the South Island and there's less yeah. competitions, there's less coaches. I've got slightly less access to everything, but I've, I've definitely sort of, I guess, got used to that and, and realized that, um, I can actually still, um, like keep learning on my own and figuring things out. And, and, you know, because I think sometimes you can become quite reliant on having someone tell you all the time what you need to be doing and how it should mm. be looking. And, and I think a lot of people, then are scared at competitions when they don't have that or know they have to have someone warming them up and they have to have eyes on them all the time and it's not necessarily a bad thing either but I think it's good to have that self-belief and self-confidence that you know because in the test you're going to be on your own so you have to be able to do it on your own at the end of the day too so I think yeah a good balance Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. And um, I just wanted to clarify again for my own thinking about how you do things. You said before you went to Germany and kind of when you first started in Germany, your legs were flapping and everyone's like, legs, legs, legs still, legs still. Yeah. There's two ways to keep your legs still. One, your brain going, keep the legs still, keep the legs still, keep the legs still, maybe put more weight in the leg, keep it heavy, keep it heavy, legs still, legs still. And then there's the way that I think you may have done it, which was try and get into your head of how it felt when the leg was still and then aware that your leg wasn't feeling like it was still and therefore getting it back to that feeling of stillness. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hard one for me to actually say because sometimes I think back and I'm almost like, I don't even know how I stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> I know, it's so annoying. <laughs> but um, um, I, I sort of feel like it just came with time and experience and 
um, you know, of riding, like, I mean, people used to say to me, it was probably because my horses weren't in front of my leg and I was kicking all the time, but then I don't yeah. feel like I was doing it from kicking. I think my legs yeah. just flap in the wind kind of thing <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I remember in Germany, Herbertus used to say to me, like everyone, you know, the movement has to go somewhere and some people it goes to their head and their neck, you know, and some people it's like their body and, and their hands. And for me, it was, you know, and my ankles and my heels would just, you know, go flying. Um, and I don't know whether I, yeah, like you say, I just was able to learn that that was the wrong feeling and I had to translate the movement to, you know, like my hips or swing in my seat and, and rather than my heels. But I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> So cool, um, which has its own challenges as well. Like sometimes it's very easy to just go keep the leg still. For you to have to figure out how to translate the feeling and the movement, like that can be tricky and take a long time as well to figure out how can I get that feeling um, locked in, I suppose, without yeah. using a conscious brain of keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. Yeah, yeah. and because then that starts to affect you know, if you're thinking like, okay, don't move my leg, don't move my leg, then you start to do other weird things with your body. <laughs> I love it. Extraordinary. Awesome. I had the most fun chatting. Um, thank you so much for your time. Best, best, best of luck. Congratulations again on what an awesome result and just best of luck with the next 12 months, whatever that brings. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat to you. It's been awesome. Awesome. All right. We'll speak to you soon. To stay up to date with the latest content, don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Go on, hit subscribe. I'd love if you would also love to leave us a review to help us how we could do better or make this even more amazing for you. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Your Writing Success and Natasha.altoff.